And now on Tucson Business Radio, let's find out how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise with your host, Karen Fisher. Good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. I am Karen Fisher, your hostess, and we are broadcasting from, we're broadcasting remotely because of COVID and all kinds of exciting things, but this is for uh, Business Radio X, which is right here, um, located right in Tucson, but it's interesting in terms of technology as far as what we've got going on. I have a very special guest and um, actually become a dear friend over the past couple of years by the name of Chuck Palm. And he is the owner, his own company, he's an entrepreneur, and he is the owner of his own company, which is Palm Integrative Coaching. Now, I have to share with you, my listeners, that his resume basically reads like, just his bio, reads just like an absolute who's who. But let's, I just want to give you some of the details, and we are going to really focus on all of the changes, there are so many things that Chuck can share with us and people that he's been working with as how we adapt to this new world that we have because as, uh, you know, really since March, nothing's been the same. Um, so, um, so uh, Chuck, real quick, tell me what the initials MPH and CPIC mean. And welcome, by the way. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm really glad to be here on your show. Um, and I'm a big fan of yours, so uh, I'll try not to giggle while we're doing this. One. <laughs> the, uh, so MPH means um, I have a master's in public health from um, the University of Arizona's uh, Melanie New Zuckerman College of Public Health. Uh, I got go, that. go Cats! Yeah, go Cats! Uh, my undergrad's uh, degrees were from the uh, University of Maryland, so go Terps, I guess, too. Okay. The, um, and CPIC means I'm a certified... Uh, professional uh, integrative coach. So uh, that was a year-long uh, program of certification uh, that allows me to have those initials and I'm part of uh, a, a, an international um, certification process for that. Well, and I, I wanted to very specifically say as far as the information because people oftentimes don't know what those initials mean and the but the reality is there's a huge difference when you're a certified coach there's a lot of people that are hanging up a shingle that just say i'm a coach i'm a coach i'm a coach um as far as that but um one of the things that you have um a, a real expertise in is helping both professionals on an individual basis as well as organizations to um, basically overcome limiting beliefs which we all have limiting beliefs the questions are, um, are those limiting beliefs things that we are aware of or what are we doing and how are we able to um, basically with those limiting beliefs maybe eradicate them or at least minimize them because I think kind of like an onion as you start peeling the layers back over and over again you think oh I got that figured out and then something else pops up. So um, the, we'll talk a little bit, um, you know, several things about uh, some of the things that he does as far as strategic planning and how you work with both individuals and companies uh, to help, you know, and I, it's kind of a cliche term, but I, I know it really matters of, you know, how do you move the needle forward and how do you achieve what those goals are and the things that you want to do as far as that? Um, I know that you have helped a lot of entrepreneurs, business professionals, both for-profit and also non-profit companies, um, you know, and just helping everybody serve in their community. And then um, some actually really interesting things, you've also served, you are a veteran, and again, I thank you, I thank you very much for your service. And along with that, uh, you've actually lived all over the world, literally all over the world, you were in the South Pacific. I say you were. You were actually. Were you born in the Marshall Islands? Was that correct or? No, uh, I was born in Spain. Uh, my Spain. father was also in the Air Force. Okay. Yeah. All so right. places I've lived have been like Spain and the Philippines and um, in Germany, um, around the country here in the U.S. And I've worked in the South Pacific. Ah, that's fantastic. And then, um, in in terms of just. The things that are happening right now, um, first and foremost, I do know that as part of your role, you are actually at the 
beginning of some of the things that were going on with the COVID-19 crisis, you were actually called to uh, Banner Health uh, to help, uh, for lack of a better term, triage. So can you let's talk, talk to me a little bit about that? What was that like? So I, I also have a gig with uh, Banner Health Services. And um, uh, normally what I do is a lot of uh, coaching um, with uh, patients and other community members um, uh, focusing on their health and wellness, especially around diabetes. But with the um, uh, invasion of COVID-19 into our community, the hospitals went on high alert all over the country and uh, certainly with Banner too. And so one of the big needs uh, that arose with Banner was reorganizing all of their um, uh, clinics. And so I, I went from somebody who was doing a lot of education and coaching and things like that uh, with people to um, um, being totally geared up with the mask and the goggles and uh, the, the cap and the, the gown and the shoe coverings and the gloves and doing all of that sort of thing and uh, uh, greeting and helping to triage um, sick patients who were coming into uh, clinics. And, um, you know, at the time, because we didn't know where uh, or how big uh, things were with COVID-19 in our community, we just assumed every patient that came in who was feeling sick had uh, COVID-19. And the thing was, they all feared that they were sick too. Uh, and so um, it was a real hello uh, to the, the brave new world. And I did that for about five weeks. Well, well, th thank you so much for doing that. Um, what a lot of, many of my listeners might not know that although I have been both a loan officer, I'm in my 21st year as a loan officer, but between real estate and finance, um, that's since 1983. Um, so we're 37 years there. But prior to that, my field of study was in biomedical engineering. And I actually worked both for, at the time it was not Banner, they called, it was a University Medical Center and also El Dorado Hospital and Medical Center. Um, and I basically did everything within the, I, I did everything within the medical field that you didn't have to have a license to do. So I did inpatient and outpatient admitting, uh, we had, x-rays but there was actually the film cases so we'd have to develop the films for things that were going on so i do date myself there um but uh, and then i drew blood for the lab um so the joke is i really can get blood out of a turnip so there you go <laughs> but it, it it's just interesting because i think about all the things that that we did and um and interestingly um, you know, just being behind the scenes as far as with the hospitals and understanding, you know, just how, how all of that works and what, you know, what that is like as far as the shift work and things like that. And so thank you very much because I, having been on the front end as far as some of that stuff, I can't even imagine trying to admit a patient with all this stuff and gear on you with 86 million forms and everything that we had to do at that time. It's, it's a lot. So, but well, what we want to talk about today, because on the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, this is a love of mine, truly, to be as an outreach and to share resources for people. And one of the things that I have noticed as, um, you know, I'm actually, we're broadcasting, we're doing things with technology that we were forced to do, but I think that there's a number of people um, no matter what stages that they are in, that they're really experiencing a tremendous amount of stress. And um, you talked, you alluded to it a little bit about even just the patients, but what about as far as maybe like as far as the, the hospital staff? I mean, they have to, here they're doing their job, but you know, lots of things that are happening there. So tell me a little bit about what that was, what, how you personally processed that even. Well, uh, stress is an inevitable feature of being a human being. Uh, and I think that uh, it's an enduring myth that stress is something that we can just get rid of. Uh, we can just uh, either wish it away or work it away or drink it away or something like that. And um, uh, the one thing that 
I, I do know is that uh, it's all about how do you manage the stress? How do you recognize that you're in a stress situation? Some people are lucky enough, I think, to be in a situation where their coworkers, their family, and the other, I don't know, societal environment that they're uh, living in is helpful to them and to their stress. Uh, one example I have from my own life is, you know, uh, 34 years ago, after my son was born, my wife passed away. It, it's it was not something that was expected, and it was something that um, uh, caught me off guard, but I was able to really deal with that stress um, a lot more successfully because of a few things in my life. One, I was still just 22. Um, and so I had a lot of resiliency that maybe was tougher when you're, you know, maybe 72. Uh, the other thing is that um, uh, I was in the Air Force. And um, one thing that military members do, regardless of the branch, is they do pull together. They do help each other when they can. So even though none of us had any money, I mean, you're just a poor enlisted guy in, in, in the service. Uh, the, uh, the one thing that I was able to count on were people to uh, give me a hand, uh, offer me some time. Uh, uh, there was, uh, we were living in England at the time and um, uh, yeah, I brought my baby home and everything and um, was uh, just trying to reestablish my life. And one um, neighbor, who I hadn't really had that much interaction with before. She came over right away and she said, I know you like to run and I know running's really good for, for stress and, and helping a person. So whenever you want to run, just let me know and I'll, I'll watch your son for you. And, and uh, that's, that's amazing. How old was it? Marcus is your son. Yes. And how old was Marcus at that time? He, when, uh, two months, by the time, no, he, uh, he, she, when my wife passed away, he was one month old. Uh, so, oh you know, after I got back to England, it was just a real outpouring of support. And so the reason I bring that up um, is that sometimes you have some really tangible support in your life that you can draw from with, with a stressful situation like COVID-19, like death in the family, loss of job, lots of other reasons, something with your health maybe. But um, sometimes you don't have a really strong structure around you. And so uh, I think at that point, it's really good to have other structures that you can create, uh, maybe some routines or some ways of recognizing stress that really can help you. And I know that um, uh, what I've seen a lot of in the last few months has been uh, sort of like this um, this movement of people going from a high stress to accepting what's going on and now doing a little bit better job of normalizing and dealing with their stress uh, than they were doing before. But for like a month or two months, there was very little that was structurally in place for us to be able to deal with stress well. Uh, and we were all forced to either go to a virtual work environment or to go to a work environment that was stressful because people were sick or potentially going to infect you, on and on and on. And um, uh, I think I'm really proud of so many people who, who survived that stressful period so well. Uh, well, let, let's talk about some of those strategies. Let's say you don't have um, a strong support system. What are some of the strategies that you can do to build that? Because I think there have been some people that that they didn't, uh, they, they, what I have seen is a lot of extremes. It, it's just, and so the extremes have shown up with some of the people have found that now that they are working from home, they are more productive than they could have even possibly imagined that they could have been before. Um, and then I've got the other extreme where I've got some people that are just, um, they just, they uh, communicated that they felt unmoored and they just felt like they were drifting, like they, they didn't, they didn't, they literally didn't know one day from the next. Um, yeah. And yet, they both might have had the same job description to begin with. It's really been interesting. Well, I, you know, um, probably the thing that was disrupted as much as anything uh, by uh, COVID-19 in our community uh, was the disruption of our routines. 
And um, I think um, uh, for almost everybody, uh, a certain level, whether low to high, of routinization is really important to us. Um, and, and by routine, it can be something really simple that gets disrupted and throws you off. For example, most people I know in the morning before they you know, wander off to work or into their day, brush their teeth. They may not wash their hair. They may not have breakfast. They may wander around in PJs all day long, but they'll brush their teeth. Um, uh, just imagine uh, if you didn't have your toothbrush one day, it would just disappear. The dog chewed it up or something like that. Um, it, for some people, something as simple as that could completely throw off their entire day. Uh, and they have to fix it before they can get to the next thing. Uh, for, for a lot of us, the big routine change wasn't the toothbrushing, it was the commute. Uh, we no longer, uh, many of us anyway, either had to commute at all or had the same commute. Things were different. And that change of either having more time or not having to get dressed for work or something like that threw people off. And you mentioned it as being unmoored. Uh, what moors us, what anchors us to a day is uh, what we can count on in the day. The sun rises, um, I have a cup of coffee, um, I have work to do, um, I can talk to my wife, whatever it is in my life that's really important for me, that's what moors me. And so when, you, when things are changed, even if it's a little thing, but in, certainly in a lot of cases it was a big thing, uh, a lot of things changed and people, I think rightly so, felt unmoored. So what I would uh, say is the people who did the, the best with uh, dealing with the new situation with COVID-19 were the folks who found their routines the fastest, uh, who were able to create either a new routine or able to adapt the routine in a way that they felt normal. And the one simple example I have for me is, I do 100% uh, of my work right now from a home office. Uh, and so the only thing that keeps me kind of normalized about that uh, and not having to commute, not having my normal day from before is I get up, I take a shower, I get dressed in work clothes like I always would. I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, I shave, I try to do all the normal things I would do. And then I feel like I'm ready to go to work. And uh, if uh, I've had a couple of days where I didn't do that, and I just didn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like a work day and it felt unmoored. So maybe that's what it is. It's just as much as anything else to, to routinize yourself a little bit more. I, I think that's a great tip. And what I have found, because um, with our office, what happened with our company, and we're in 42 states, we've got close to 1,000 employees. And then, um, but our uh, Summit Funding's corporate headquarters are in Sacramento, and they had a stay-at-home order that was issued. And our it was amazing. We had to uh, get our workforce home within, and they actually did 80% of our workforce all went home within four business days. Our IT department was, it, it's the first time we always do an employee of the month that uh, people just vote for because we're such a team effort. It is the first time that an entire department was nominated for by multiple people and the, nominated for and became employee of the month. Uh, the whole department for our whole IT department because put almost to to have over 800 people go all of a sudden working virtually and oh by the way being mortgage loan officers we're dealing with highly sensitive confidential information so it, it they didn't just it wasn't just like setting up a phone or something like that it had to be all the security and everything like that. Um, so, but I think in terms of, of um, the productivity, one of the things that I noticed, and just as you were saying this about the commute, when I was commuting back and forth through the office, one of the things that I always did was um, I have a motivational podcast. They're just three to five minutes. Typically, I'll listen to Darren Hardy or, or uh, something that our owner of the company, Todd Screamer, did, you know, something just three to five minutes as far as on my way, as far as that commute, it kind of anchors my day. And that has switched because even though I have it available, I'm not listening to it on my phone. 
Um, and so I have switched, I have switched that habit, which was not a bad habit, you know, listening to that. I switched it to journaling because now instead of commuting, I'm spending that first, you know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes of my day um, specifically working on a, uh, I have a gratitude journal that I use. In fact, I'll show you a picture of it. You can't see it up there, but check this out. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, so this is by Danelle Delgado, and it is a journal called I Choose Joy. And each one of the pages that are there, um, and I highly recommend it. This was recommended uh, to me by a friend of mine who actually had gone through probably more changes than we would ever want. She, um, she's actually been a guest on my show in the past. It's Carrie Conley, and she lost um, her husband to suicide and then three years later her son to suicide and has published a book co-published a book with her daughter laurel um called keep looking up and that you know there is always hope and when what she's done is that so this is this was recommended to us and it's just that daily gratitude practice that is has been kind of interesting it's got a list of 10 things i'm grateful for three things that i'm focused on achieving and one thing that says, I am ready to implement what I learned today. So I want to encourage those listeners, listen to what Chuck is saying, you know, create a routine that is logical for you, um, that, that sets as far as the day. Um, one of the things that I've done personally also is that you will always see me dressed. You'll, you'll see me, I, I'm, I have a, goal, uh, a, a business, part of my business plan, which is to meet 15, or I should say have 15 or more face-to-face, -face, now it's video, per week. So I'm, I'm dressed, I'm in makeup, I'm dressed. And I agree with you, it does, it feels like I'm not at work if I, you know, if I'm, if I, if I don't have business clothes on, it just, you know, and I, but I do have to say, I'm not wearing heels. Is <laughs> the ones I I'll take advantage of not wearing heels. <laughs> so yeah. So one thing I I was hearing when you were describing the journaling as one of the ways to kind of make up for the loss of the time that you would normally have for those podcasts is um, a way for you to um, be motivating yourself in the morning to kind of like pump up for the day. Yeah. Um, and the other part with uh, uh, dressing professionally and being ready for your video meetings as opposed to your in-person meetings, I think that was the normalizing part of it too. So you still needed to pump up and you still needed to be normalized. And that was that's a smart thing to do. Uh, I think uh, the folks who seemed to have the most trouble were the ones that uh, just went straight to sort of a vacation mode, sort of a denial mode and um, after about a month, one thing I did notice in, uh, with the people I was talking to and interacting with was uh, folks started getting a little itchy, um, like the vacation, it, it's over, so now what do I do? So they kind of delayed their um, uh, ability to uh, adapt to the new world order uh, by sort of uh, avoiding it for a month and a half or a month. And they got itchy and things needed to change faster. So I know some folks have just been now uh, normalizing their lives after three months. Uh, but uh, other folks, I think the, the, the Karen Fishers of the world, they strapped on their, their hair, they, they, uh, they started journaling and they really started adapting faster. Well, and, and there's, a, there's a blessing in all of this. This is the other thing, just in terms of, in terms of gratitude. Um, one of the things, like even though it's so changed, like here I am, I am um, a complete total extrovert. I love being around people. Um, you know, if, if you, a friend of mine once upon a time told me the definition, and I don't know if you agree with this, but what she told me, she actually uh, was a retired Air Force Colonel. Mm -hmm. And um, my dear friend, Colonel Dexter uh, said that um, the definition between an extrovert and an introvert is not whether you're social or not. It's how you recharge your batteries. Right. And so um, for me, recharging my batteries is I got to be around people. I got, that's me. I got to be around people. 
for my husband who, you know, I love him and my husband and my daughter, um, I should say our daughter, they recharge their batteries by they need to have alone time. They need to recharge on their own. And so um, Scott, during this time frame, um, he would go out and uh, he was doing the landscaping. We, you know, he would dig like crazy in the caliche to uh, which we now are the recipients of four beautiful trees because of it. But, you know, it, it's just interesting. So what are some of the things that you say? And then I do want to let people know we are at the top of the hour. So I just want to let people know that you are listening to uh, a live broadcast. This is on Tucson Business Radio X. We are broadcasting remotely um, from Tucson, Arizona. And with me, I am your hostess, Karen Fisher. And with me is my dear guest and friend, uh, Chuck Palm. So let, let's talk about what are some of the things that people can do to recharge their batteries that, um, that might be different or brainstorming ideas for them. Because now you can't go to a, you're not really going to a restaurant or hanging out. You're not going to a concert. You're not, you know, things that other people would have normally done. Well, you know, um, sometimes it's sort of a sad substitute to uh, say, hey, do more video, right? But um, uh, there are ways for people to um, get connected with real life human beings and still be safe about it. Uh, and I think that's the key, right? You want to do both things. You want to recharge and have human contact and you want to be safe at the same time. Uh, so um, what I know a lot of folks are able to do now is, um, uh, especially in Tucson where so many uh, homes have patios, right? That uh, are just usually ignored most of the year because it's too hot or, or we're busy or whatever. But now with everybody kind of uh, spending a little bit more time at home, uh, that we've rediscovered the value of the patio. So um, I know that uh, my wife and I have been able to visit her folks across town uh, and we'll go, you know, we'll sit in the patio, we'll be socially distanced from each other, we'll be sharing iced tea and, and, and having the opportunity to see a real human being and interact and not have to have the um, interruption of the, um, of the screen all the time. And I think that's, that's really been a lot of fun. The other thing is, is to um, make it a, just like the old um, thing was to create a walking meeting for professionals. You can create a walking visit. Uh, outside is the best and safest way for people to interact with one another, as opposed to being with strangers or people you're not living with indoors and sharing the same circulated air with AC. So uh, I highly recommend uh, people mask up and go for a walk and uh, spend time in the, in the early morning or uh, at dusk with one another and, and have real human contact with each other in a way that you just can't get normally in your normal day. I, I think that's a great idea. One of the other tips that um, I, um, or just information that I've heard um, is that one of the top things that we can do to boost our immune system. So we're talking about stress. And of course, the only way you're going to have no stress is if you're dead. That's, that's the reality, right? But um, there's a difference between um, that correct amount of tension and stress and that, and that fun and it creating excitement versus that unhealthy piece of it. But mm -hmm. being outside and being in the sunshine is one of the top things that you can do to boost your immune system. Part of it isn't just the sun. Part of it is just the fact of being in nature, like being um, um, our daughter is, uh, as you know, is getting her uh, doctorate in applied mathematics with an emphasis in computational neuroscience, which is a mouthful. But she's been doing some of the additional research on some of some of the numbers and some of the statistics for the COVID-19 out of a huge like world. I don't, I don't even know who's hiring for all of this, but, you know, big data work that they're doing. And one of the things that they're finding is um, um, that some of the areas where the cases got just exploded really, really quickly were in where people were living in what they call a vertical world versus a horizontal world. In other words, they're living in the high rises in New York City versus like you said, we've got patios here. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of places within the great, you know, the true urban cities, they don't have patios. They literally have to get out of their apartment and go down and do something. But getting out and um, being around nature is one of the things. I think another um, thing to... Else, I just want to throw in there, um, you know, you're talking about nature. There are a number of studies mm -hmm. that uh, really have shown the positive effect of nature uh, on our psyche, uh, not just on our mood, but actually on our health. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. There's nothing magical about it. It's just, an, it's just a natural reaction of um, stress reduction in the body uh, when a person is in nature. Now it's tough in the middle of the summer in, in the desert to get out into nature, you know, super effectively, but there are lots of versions of nature and some of that nature is in the backyard. So um, I, I, I think uh, we don't have to go uh, up the burning mountainside. We don't have to travel to the coast or anything like that to, to get outside and get into a, a natural state. And I think that's, that's just a really good way for folks to kind of think about it, that nature is just a few feet away for most people. I, I think that is a, um, a, just a huge, a huge tool. So, um, so, so, so for other things, now this is a time where everybody's being, whether they wanted to change or not, they've been forced to change. That's just the way that it is. Um, and, and now that these changes have come about, what I'm seeing is that there are some real positive things. So one of the things that's really positive that's come out of this is people that thought that they could only work at a physical office have found out that their employees can actually, that, you know, you'd had people that were managers that said, you know, well, I have to have my people here so that I can see what they're doing. And so when they sent that workforce home and to realize that people are being actually in many cases, many cases, much more productive. So I don't think that's going to change. I, I think one of the things that we're going to have, you're going to have people that are working. And then because pre-COVID, our unemployment rate was one of, I mean, the lowest in history as far as the unemployment numbers. Um, and so one of the challenges that some of my business owners have had is how do I find and keep and get great employees, right? Um, now they've expanded their workforce that maybe you don't have to live in Tucson, Arizona. Maybe you could be my absolute ideal, whatever you know, employee that that is, but you might be in Wisconsin or, you know, or wherever. So what if, what other changes besides that have you seen with some of your clients that all of a sudden they're like, wow, I didn't even think that was possible, but now I've been forced to change and I never in a million years would I have considered that, and now it's the norm, the new norm, if you will. Well, I think a couple of directions it's gone with uh, people I work with. Uh, in, in the one sense, um, uh, some industries have done a really good job uh, of adapting. Uh, I think uh, a surprising number of people are still buying and selling homes are still uh, remodeling, are still upgrading their homes. As they spend more time at home, they notice more things wrong. So there's, there's repairs going on and things like that. So a lot of the trades have been really busy. The ones that wanted to be busy are really busy. Uh, I think uh, the folks who I've seen kind of struggling, the, the small business owners especially who struggled the most, were the ones that um, assumed there wouldn't be business. And so they, they weren't like chasing it. They weren't like being as proactive as, as they would have been normally. Um, but it's, it's surprising how much business is still out there in certain industries. For folks though, that found themselves suddenly cut off from what their normal work was. They had hands-on trades. They had uh, the kind of business that really required, uh, you know, not just face-to-face, -face, but hand-to-body a manipulation or even hand-to-hair manipulation and things like that. For them, it has been um, uh, a lot harder. And, and I think some of that is, as I was mentioning before, we have uh, either an environment that's there to support us and, and prop us up through a stressful period, or the environment is not set up that way. And um, uh, we 
didn't have a backup plan for a masseuse and we didn't have a backup plan for a hairdresser and we didn't have a backup plan for somebody who needed to be in place. For example, even uh, a physician who was doing elective surgeries or a nurse working in a clinic that was closing. So um, what I think happened to them was uh, there was furloughing going on. There were people who were taking uh, time off, vacation time, uh, folks who went on unemployment and they were spending a lot more time at home and doing sort of like a lot of media consumption. What I've been able to see a lot more changes to now are uh, after that initial month, month and a half of, which I think was shock and awe, along with a lot of Netflix, um, was a period of people of being able to start figuring out what's my next thing and how can I be part of the, the reopening in a way that I can protect myself. And um, uh, so what, what I've seen folks doing to get that done is um, something that's really kind of a no brainer, but it's, it's really important in the work that kind of work that I do. And that is uh, making a plan uh, and having expectations for your week. Uh, it's, it's not about productivity and all of those kinds of things about that. It's not about, Am I better as a multitasker, as a person who focuses or whatever? It was for folks who were out of the normal work world, out of the normal life world, making a plan made all the difference. It makes all the difference now. If a person has a clear objective for their week, for how, how much they're gonna work, what they're gonna do and that sort of thing, then they can break it down by the day and make the day better. If they have a clear vision for what they're gonna to try to do for the month, then they can make the, the week plan, they can make the day plan better. Um, the folks that I work with who are the most successful are the ones who have uh, a six to 12 month plan. And as crazy as that sounds right now, given what's going on still with COVID-19, the fact that they have their eye on the ball so far down the road really helps them focus. And I think ability to focus is as important as anything else right now for us. Well, and part of your work that you do, especially with our entrepreneurs and business owners, is to help them um, basically help them flesh out their plan and help them um, get clarity on their plan. Because one of the things that I find with people, and you can, yeah, yes, as far as the plan, but then also as far as the goals, I see a lot of people getting that they're really busy. They're caught up in the busyness of the world and a busyness of their business versus the business of their business. And I've even got a little quote, a little post-it note quote, I, because I, I have little reminders for myself, but one is from Mike Krieger, founder of Instagram, says, focus on doing the right things instead of a bunch of things. So tell me about some of the right things that you see people that feel, and you know, success is, Success is defined in many different ways to many people. Um, I want whatever my listeners define as success, that, that they reach that or that they have the tools or the connections. So talk to me about what you're seeing as far as some people that identify themselves as successful, that what they consider to be right things versus a bunch of things. Well, I think uh, one of the... Um... Uh, there's an article uh, I saw recently by uh, James Clear. He's got a website as well. Uh, and uh, he, he encapsulated it this way. And this is not new, but it is um, something that it bears repeating. And that is uh, focusing can often come down to uh, what we decide to say no to and what we decide to turn off. Uh, focus isn't about, oh, gosh, I got to I got to just try harder and really focus more and that's how it's going to work. Uh, you know, I keep talking about your environment helping or hindering you. Um, uh, one of the um, big things that I picked up in my work in public health over the years is uh, creating environmental strategies. Uh, uh, a community helps its citizens um, uh, stay alive on the road by having uh, environmental strategies like paved roads with lines on them, having lights at the intersections or stop signs, uh, having expectations of the law, enforcing the law. All of those things are, are environmental strategies. They are things that are there whether you want them or not. 
Uh, and so uh, for folks to be able to focus better and, and keep their eye on the prize, whatever the prize happens to be, the prize could be better health or just a more productive day, making more money, whatever it is, uh, it's being able to, to say, those things over there are not my priority. Uh, these things over here are my priority. I can change my mind on those things, but at least for right now, I know what my priorities are because I'm turning off the things I don't want. I'm saying no to them at the moment and I'm focusing or I'm saying yes to those other things. And um, so one of the simple ways to look at that is um, if you've got uh, a day looming in front of you and you manage to sit down for five minutes and look at what you're supposed to be doing or what you want to do for that day, uh, and you, you said, look, uh, these are the top three things I got to do. If you find yourself doing something that's not in the top three uh, or even the top five on that list, then what is happening is you have literally lost focus in a way that you intended not to lose focus. You, you can, you can, document it. You can say, I had a list. And now instead of working on making those 15 in-person visits, like I promised myself I would do this week, what I'm doing is I'm going through and I'm, I'm sorting out all my old emails for the last two hours. Or I'm doing other things that make me feel productive, but uh, I'm just going to feel bad about myself. Uh, or I literally am watching another two-hour movie on Netflix instead of doing something that I want to do. There's nothing um, morally wrong about checking your email or watching a movie, but if there is something about if that's what you intended to do. So if your intention is to have more focus, then part of the, the process for that focusing might include not just saying these are my priorities, but rather these are the things that I'm not going to spend time on today. I think that's a, I think those are great tools. I think one of the things that's easy for people to do, so a, a couple of strategies for a personal basis, this is just something that I've done, is um, setting, again, it has to deal with structure, is setting some time and getting up and away from my desk, away from my workstation, and um, and eating someplace else. In other words, not, not doing, and this is true at the office, the regular, brick and mortar office I had or the home office, not eating at my desk. That is like, uh, you know, giving myself a minute to recharge and things like that. Um, and I do, I, I also am, and like right now I've got, you know, yes, this is clean behind me, but there's a bunch of some papers because I'm in the process of going through um, basically converting some of my old marketing material and things like that, converting it all to digital. And so getting, getting those stacks of things done, I have to, on a personal basis, and it may be because I just like to have fun, I have to make it fun. If it's not fun, I don't, I, I am like, I don't want to do it. And so what I will do is I play a game. This is, um, I love numbers. People know I love numbers, but I play a game called Beat the Clock. I, I try to see in 12 minute increments to see how much I can get done in 12 minutes just for fun. Um, I, uh, an accountability partner. We talked a little bit off the air about, I have a friend of mine who's a dear friend uh, uh, that is in the Denver area. And Terry and I have committed that we're each gonna drink six 12 ounce glasses of water per day and sending us a text at the end of the day. And after 90 days, our celebration, we're gonna do something fun together. So, but let, let's talk about this. You know, one of the things that you've said that you wish people would ask of you is that for them to ask of you uh, or that you ask of them, imagine if you had unlimited money, time and energy, what would you have done different in your earlier life and what would you do now? i tell you one thing that um, uh, I would uh, definitely have done is um, picking up coaching uh, as a career move way earlier uh, in my career. Um, work that I did for, for, for many years involved uh, work around coach, whether it was working with organizations to help uh, develop strategic plans and go forward, uh, career programming, um, uh, doing a lot of consultation, and then doing a fair amount of, of active coaching, but setting myself up as a, as a 
Uh, a shingle hanging coach would have been something I would have done a long time ago. Uh, and, and the reason I say that isn't some self-serving reason that I, I coach now, so I should, I should say that, but rather I find that I get a lot from coaching. Uh, uh, it, I get a lot of satisfaction in seeing somebody uh, kind of light up with an aha moment. I get a lot of satisfaction in um, really kind of helping in that way um, and being able to kind of uh, help somebody walk through a puzzle uh, and figure things out for themselves and things like that. Uh, if, um, if, if I didn't get pleasure from it, I wouldn't want to keep doing it. And I know that I've had jobs in the past that I wasn't like super jazzed about, but I did it anyway, because I was getting a paycheck. And so I think if I could have like the magic wand situation with anything I needed, um, I would help myself get to this place of doing something that um, kind of feeds me and feeds me. I, I hear that. So let me ask you this. What was it that when you decided to do, uh, because I, we have a lot of times, many of my clients right now, um, they may be deciding to become an entrepreneur and give up the job, uh, you know, that they, the traditional uh, job that they had. What was it that made you finally, I mean, to say and to truly hang out your, your shingle, if you will, for Palm Integrative Coaching? What was, was there any, was it just a series of decisions that built up or was there at one point in time that just said, you know what, that's it, I am going to do this? Um, I think, uh, like for a lot of us, a serendipity plays its role. Um, so let me kind of back into what serendipity actually ends up being. Uh, uh, we think of serendipity sometimes as just being happenstance. You know, a meteor falls from the sky, uh, you have a car accident or something like that. But most of the time serendipity is things that you've done in the past to put you in a position for the next thing. And so um, if I hadn't been in Tucson, I wouldn't have had Tucson experiences. How did I get to Tucson, et cetera? There's just a lot of ways to kind of look at this sort of butterfly effect. But um, for me, what the serendipity was, was, uh, you know, after I'd been working in uh, uh, public health world for like 11 years, um, I had a, a change of uh, job because um, my previous uh, work had, had stopped because a grant ended. And uh, the job that I needed to, to, to get, I ultimately got, actually required a master's degree. And I didn't have one. And I remember after I got the job, like, I don't want to be in that position again. I'm going to work on my master's degree. And I got it in public health. And then right away, things started changing for my career from that, that decision on. So serendipity and life circumstances got to that. Uh, I've been working in that way for maybe another nine years, um, or, or maybe another four years after I'd gotten my degree. And um, uh, I had a job change, and I started working at Canyon Ranch uh, as part of their nonprofit, Canyon Ranch Institute. And I got to see firsthand what it was like for people to uh, really have their lives changed by somebody who was providing them either wellness coaching or life coaching or something where they were, that person uh, was there for a day or a week or a month and they were focusing on change and they got to make that change happen. And I got to experience that firsthand, uh, seeing it at Canyon Ranch, but also working with communities around the country in the nonprofit. And uh, that's when it, it occurred to me, that is something I can do. So that, that's sort of a serendipitous way of getting to what I really intended to do probably all along. Well, I am just beyond thrilled that you have been my guest today. Um, I do know, and I, I want you to go ahead and we'll have your information up there, but one of the services that you do, which I think is just great, and this is a tip for some of our entrepreneurs that maybe you offer something that is a low barrier to, uh, to um, entry, if you will, but you offer a free um, uh, coaching consultation. So if somebody wanted to take advantage of that, there's a lot of people that have never had a coach. I happen to have had business coaches um, on, on a personal basis. I've had business and professional coaches um, ever since that I've ever since I started in, in 83. But 
even prior to that, I was kind of conditioned for coaching because I, uh, for many, many years, I had been a competitive gymnast. It, having a coach, having multiple coaches was just a fact of life for me. And it was only when I got to be a little bit older that I realized that there were a lot of people that never have had coaches. They haven't had coaches or mentors or anything. It's like, oh, well, that was, that's different, you know, in my, just my perspective. Um, so the best way for them, as far as if our listeners would like to have that introductory coaching for their business, and it can be a business owner that's a solopreneur, or it could be somebody that's a large company. It doesn't matter, correct? So what's the best way? So what, what uh, usually happens is um, uh, somebody's seeking. They, uh, they're either their business is growing or it's contracting or their career is growing or they're changing um, or um, they are starting a brand new business. Either way, there's like a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty in the future. And so they're, they're thinking maybe I need to talk to a coach who can help me kind of put the, the the things together and connect the dots and all of that. So I, I do make it easy for folks. I do offer a free session. It's not a consultation on how to get coaching or anything like that. It literally is a whole session. It's a whole session that where they can focus on anything they want. And um, uh, a lot of times um, uh, folks finish the session, they get exactly what they needed from the one session. They figured out their next step. They, they feel uh, confident, they boop, they move on. Uh, and then sometimes it turns into more of a relationship where I'm, I'm working with their company or I'm working with them in some other way. But it's, it, that's the way, the only way people can really sometimes get a sense of what coaching is because I know that before I had coaching for myself the first time, I was leery of it. I didn't know what to expect from it. Um, I didn't, I, there was just so many barriers to me. Uh, until I had my first session with somebody and it was also a free session and I realized that's the way to do it. So uh, that's that, fantastic. So we'll have your information up there, but go ahead and just let people know that might be listening. What is the best phone number that they can reach you at? Yeah, they can reach me here at 220-440-3679. Repeat that. 520-440-3679 and they can text me on that. Fantastic. And then um, I, we're, we are actually finished with our hour. If people have questions about the mortgage world, um, their credit report, those things, you can reach me, uh, Karen Fisher, at Summit Funding. And my office phone is 520-447-2279. That's 520-447-2279. And thank you again for being my guest. And we're this is a wrap for today's episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Well, thanks for having me on.